Welcome back to Engage Your World, the podcast of Engage 360 Ministries. Um, my name is Matt Schmidt. I'm here again with Josh Erlene, and we are going to be looking at Acts chapter 11. Uh, last week we talked about uh, Acts chapter 10, or in our last episode, and we are going to touch on 11 here. There's not a particular clear evangelistic encounter in the way that we sometimes get in the book of Acts, but there were some really valuable things we wanted to draw out, and so we thought we'd bring you a maybe a little bit of a, a shorter episode here and dive into some of this. So let's uh, open up with Acts 11 here and begin. Thanks for joining me, Josh. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, so kind of quick summary of the first half of the chapter, but some things we thought were valuable to draw out. So Peter, who had been uh, sent by God, by the Spirit, to the house of Cornelius, uh, was coming back now to the church to report to all of the others what had happened um, when they went and brought the message of the gospel to the Gentiles. And so they're reporting on, Peter's talking about his vision, uh, uh, the rise Peter, kill and eat, and, and Peter says, by no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice, voice answered in a second time from heaven, what God has made clean, do not call common. Uh, then after three times, he's drawn up into heaven. So then these men arrived asking for him to go to Caesarea. The Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. Okay, He identifies that there were six brothers who brought he brought with him, Tells a little bit about what happened and says uh, that the the spirit had given them he will declare had given to Cornelius the vision and had spoke to him and said that there would be this man Peter who would be coming with the message by which you will be saved you and all your household uh, so just valuable there maybe Josh jump in and, and pick up on what is the the significance of this yeah well actually backing up a little bit I just I can't help but comment. Um, you know, when Peter's describing his vision, he uh, he talks about this vision coming down. He says this happened in verse 10. Says, this happened three times, and everything was drawn back up into the sky. Verse 11. And behold, at that moment, three men appeared at the house. So there's already, you know, these his listeners are going to be like, hey, is that significant? Is that, you know, uh, something? But then the the vision is very pointed. You know, it says that he went without... Uh, I think your version said, uh, without making distinction, mine says without misgivings. And that was the point of the, uh, of the vision was don't, uh, don't be, don't be uptight about going to a Jew, uh, non-Jew's house uh, or a Gentile's house. Um, don't call him unclean because you'll see God, <laughs> right. God's going to make him clean. <laughs> yeah. And then it's, it's significant too, that, um, Cornelius, uh, is told that he should send for Peter, and Peter's going to come with a message, words um, by which he will be saved. So there's this this gospel message, this news that he's supposed to go into here, and on hearing, uh, he's it's going to save him and his household. Um, so I think it's very important to to recognize that it's the gospel, it's the message that saves. It wasn't, you know. Hey, come join the Jerusalem Church. It wasn't, you know, sign on to something like that. I've had conversations with uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, and uh, you know, you ask them how to be saved, and that's a really difficult question for them to answer. They'll mm. want you to join the organization. Be right. you know, the, organ the organization becomes like this ark, and as long as you're right. in the organization, 
um, then you know you're 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 good. But here's a message, and it's about Jesus, and it's by the message through faith in Christ that we're saved. It's uh, that's what is being uh, accented here, I mm, guess. Yeah, yeah, that distinction, and it can be a difficult one. There's a rightful place for religious authority. There's a rightful place for the church and a value there. Uh, we even see, and we're going to continue to see, the leadership in the church. Yet, the faith that they have, the message they're to believe, is in Christ himself. It's not a message of join this group and then you're in. You really just don't see that. Now, you do join the church, right? And we're going to get to talking about the, the the significance of not just hearing and believing the message, but actually doing. Uh, living it out, becoming a disciple, being a part of that body of Christ and the body life. So we'll get to that, but there's a value there. But yeah, very um, important distinction and, and one that can be lost and certainly is a distinction between uh, what we would say Jesus and the disciples are teaching versus maybe what um, various people who've said they represent Christianity have taught. Um, you know, and then this this lack of distinction is very relevant. Josh and I were just spending a bunch of time uh, today on campus with a bunch of college students and having conversations around a whiteboard. And one of the things that came up in several different conversations, uh, our question was, who is Jesus? And we ended up talking about Christianity pretty directly a lot and then took some tangents. But one thing that came up several times that was very interesting was this idea people had in their heads that what Christianity did as a system, what it taught primarily was that there are these special select elite people and they have lording authority over everyone else and they have to blindly follow them, believe whatever they believe and put up with any abuse that they put on the people because they're in authority, they're, they're the select, they're the elite, whatever it might be. And so we were really trying to create a distinction in their mind between what some people have done in the name of Christianity versus what Jesus and the disciples actually taught. And there's a pretty drastic distinction there. And we were able to, I think, make a lot of ground on that topic or that aspect of the conversation with several of the different students. And so, so it's very meaningful, but it poignant right here, there's, there's not a distinction there. There is a difference in the people. They are Gentiles. It's not saying there's no such thing as a Gentile, but it's saying, no, the, the gospel salvation is for the Gentiles. And that's what we see. And you continue on down into verse 18, uh, after sort of an initial hesitation that they had with Peter's message, they said when they heard these things, specifically that the Holy Spirit had fallen on these Gentile uh, people, just like it had the Jewish followers of Jesus, um, that when they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God saying, then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Okay, so very significant. All right, now coming out of that, we move on in the second half of the chapter, starting in verse 19. It tells us about uh, those who were scattered and spread and the message that they were spread, spreading. So uh, initially that some of the uh, followers of Christ that got spread after the persecution that arose from Stephen um, spread out all over the ancient world, and they were primarily speaking, or maybe even exclusively with this group, to the Jews, bringing the message of the gospel. But it says in verse 20, but there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, also preaching the Lord Jesus. 
And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. He came, exhorted, told them to remain faithful and steadfast with purpose. Um, then Barnabas goes to Tarsus, gets Saul, also known as Paul, um, and found him, brought him to Antioch, and then they stayed for a whole year uh, to meet with the people in the church and, and to disciple and to grow. And so um, there were a couple of observations we made, Josh, maybe jump into both how this, what does this tell us about the participation in the Great Commission and what the fullness of the Great Commission is? Yeah, so it's it's interesting. When you look at the church in Antioch, it was not established by an apostle. Nope. Uh, that is really striking, and there are some interesting conversations that we can have about that. But um, it was these men from Cyprus, unnamed men from Cyprus and Cyrene, uh, and they came to Antioch and they began speaking to the Greeks. So they were sharing the gospel uh, with the Greeks. And then, uh, well, and the Lord was with them in that, and large numbers believed and turned to the Lord. Well, then the news comes to the, the church in Jerusalem. Then they send not another apostle. They send Barnabas. Now, there's there are times when Barnabas is, is called an apostle in the in the broader sense, but he's not one of the 12. Um, but the church then is, it is an apostolic church, even though it's not started by an apostle. It's started because it's the apostolic teaching. Right. It's the, it's the message that they proclaimed. And so... The same uh, message back that Peter went and declared to... To Cornelius. Yep. Yeah. And so these guys, um, and this is often the case that the, the, uh, the student will take the, the teacher's ideas to their natural conclusion. And so these guys, in some sense, took what Peter did and like, well, naturally. You know, <laughs> right. What Peter, the principle that we got from what happened to Peter, whether they were thinking that directly or not, it is interesting chronology-wise. But right. um, so, so here we have the Great Commission in action. These, you know, Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Uh, so these guys are doing that. Now, we want to be clear that the Great Commission isn't just the proclamation of the gospel. That's Everybody needs that. That's the entry point. It's the discipleship. That's the commission. Mm -hmm. uh, but people need the gospel in order to be saved and become That's disciples. Right. And so it's interesting that... Um, these guys lived as though the commission extended to them. Whether it was, you know, the overflow, I think, um, overflow of their joy in the Lord, which you end up talking about the things that you're excited about anyway. Right. Um, and I think that's also part of God's plan hmm. is, uh, is that his people would be so filled with himself and his word and the, the greatness of the news that they talk about it. Right. And, uh, and then it'll bear fruit. Right. as God provides. Yeah. Yeah, and it's important because there are certain there are there are things Jesus teaches and and the question is is he teaching us this as directly as if we were sitting in front of him or is he giving us something it's I'd say it's all for us but it may not be all spoken or taught to us directly. And so there are certain things where it seems like from just the 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 text and the actions of those who hear 
that something is specific to that group that was in front of Jesus at that time. And so one example I would I would lean towards is that when Jesus says that he'll send the helper and he'll uh, lead lead into all truth or bring to remembrance all things and lead them into all truth, it seems like there's at least a very good case to be made that what Jesus is doing is actually talking to those 11 who are in front of him and that those are the ones that this will happen to. Now, we benefit from it because we can say when we read the New Testament, we're not relying on the mere memories and understandings of human beings on their own, but that the Spirit is superintending on them, that through them, uh, with them, but through them, we are hearing the actual words of God, and that the Spirit is helping them to remember all the things that Jesus taught, but to understand it in a way. And so a pushback that I've heard some people say is, well, in the same way, the Great Commission isn't for all of us because Jesus gave it to the disciples. Um, the differences that you seem to see, and here's a here's a, a stark example, where the implications of the Great Commission are necessarily the disciples and these those who they reach, reaching others, reaching others, reaching others, and then it cascades out. And here in Acts 11, you see that happening, where you have the disciples now having their disciples, the people that they've taught the gospel, going out and sharing with others. But still in the midst of this, to help bolster them, they send Barnabas to help in this process of discipleship. But it, it does seem to pretty clearly convey this idea was not, or the idea from the beginning was not, you had the 11 and then you added the 12th in with Matthias. And then those those 12 were exclusively and solely responsible to going to every corner of the world and bringing the gospel. But they, in some sense, are because those who they teach and train and commission are then going out and reaching further and further and further. And this is how we've ended up you know, with, with hundreds of millions of Christians this day is because of that ongoing process. And, mm-hmm. and we can all participate in that ourselves. We get to be a part of this. What was started by Jesus through the 12 now extends to all the world through us yeah. uh, and, and other believers. Through the authority of the message. And that's, right. I think that comes out in this, in this passage that um, you know, these men, unnamed men from Cyrene and Cyprus, you know, they weren't, they weren't in line of the apostolic office. It was the message right. that they proclaimed and all the Jews that were scattered because of the persecution, they were proclaiming right. the message that right. was the, it was the message that had authority and people were believing. Right. Uh, the message and the message have authority has authority because Jesus has authority. Yeah, and that when I read the Gospels, what I see over and over and over is it is about the authority of Jesus. Yeah. Once His authority is established, then His message is authoritative, and therefore His messengers are authoritative. But it's not a it's not an authority like a like an abusive. And this kept coming up in the conversations we had today. It's not an abusive authority, though there have been authorities that have been abusive. It's a it's an authority there for our good, and it's about who would know. We were talking with students who came up, who had all these ideas, and in their minds, and we had to make this explicit at times. It was they were pushing back against the idea that our opinion, my opinion, Josh's opinion, uh, Trisha Scribner was with us, her opinion, that who's to say our opinion is any better than theirs? Everyone can have their own opinion, and we were saying yes. <laughs> the question is, how would we know if any of us are right, let alone which ones? 
And what we laid out was what Christianity is about is not my opinion as an individual Christian is better than yours. So believe me, trust me. It's Jesus's authority has established his authority. His opinion is better than any of ours. So we all need to look to him. I'm not trying to convince you of me. I'm trying to point you to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And we have to do that in our evangelism. That is a biblical approach to sharing your faith. Yes, it is personal to you. Yes, you have a testimony. But it is about, it is the message of the gospel which has authority because Jesus has authority. That's why it's true. So whatever's true in our lives is true because the message is actually true because Jesus is who he claimed to be. And that's what it goes back to. And that's what the gospels are over and over and over trying to convey to us, even when the disciples themselves did not understand that, which is what is amazing. They were confused in the beginning, but then once they see him resurrected, now they're willing to go out in the world, even when it means persecution, death, stoning you know, beating with rods, uh, and, and, and then eventually martyrdom. I think that's a great takeaway, uh, for conversations that we have is, is pointing people to the authority of Jesus. Yep. We know that he is who he claimed to be because he rose from the dead. Right. And, uh, yeah, it's his message because of his authority. Absolutely. Well, hopefully this is an encouragement to you to take that message and go out. Uh, if you need any help, we're always here eager to be a part of encouraging you, equipping you, uh, be looking for more uh, resources and things to do that. Uh, Thank you again for joining us. We'll see you next time as we continue through the book of Acts. Again, this is Matt and Josh for Engage 360, and thank you for joining us for Engage Your World.